Chapter Twenty, Part One of Runtworth, a novel by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Mattern. Chapter Twenty, Part One, On Guard. Mister Andrew Larkspur, the police officer, took up his abode in Percy Street a week after his interview with Lady Eversleigh. For a fortnight after he became an occupant of the house in which she lived. Honoria received no tidings from him. She knew that he went out early every morning, and that he returned late every night, and this was all that she knew respecting his movements. At the end of the fortnight he came to her late one evening, and begged to be favoured with an audience. "'I shall want at least two hours of your time, ma'am,' he said, "'and perhaps you may find it fatiguing to listen to me so late at night. If you'd rather defer the business till to-morrow morning,' "'I would rather not defer it,' answered Lady Eversleigh. "'I am ready to listen to you for as long a time as you choose. "'I have been anxiously expecting some tidings of your movements.' "'Very likely, ma'am,' replied Mr. Larkspur coolly. "'I know you ladies are given to impatience, as well as Berlin woolwork, "'and steel beads, and the pianoforte, and such like. "'But you see, ma'am, there's not a living creature more unlike a racehorse than a police officer.' "'and it's just like you ladies to expect police officers "'to be flying Dutchmen, in a manner of speaking. "'I've been a hard worker in my time, ma'am, "'but I've never worked harder or stuck to my work better "'than I have these last two weeks. "'And all I can say is, if I ain't deadbeat, "'it's only because it isn't in circumstances to deadbeat me.' "'Lady Eversleigh listened very quietly to this exordium, "'but a slight, nervous twitching of her lips every now and then "'betrayed her impatience.' "'I am waiting to hear your news,' she said presently. "'And I'm a-going to tell it, ma'am, in due course,' returned the police officer, "'drawing a bloated leather book from his pocket and opening it. "'I've got all down here in regular order. First and foremost, the baronet. "'He's a bad lot, is the baronet. "'I do not need to hear that from your lips.' "'Very likely not, ma'am. "'But if you set me to watch a gentleman, "'you must expect I shall form an opinion about him.' The baronet has lodgings in Villiers Street, uncommon shabby ones. I went in and took a good survey of him and his lodgings together, in the character of a bootmaker, taking home a pair of boots, which was intended for a Mr. Everfield in the next street, says I, and of course Everfield and Eversleigh, being almost the same names, was calculated to lead to inconvenient mistakes. In the character of the bootmaker, Sir Reginald Eversleigh tells me to get out of his room and be— "'something uncommonly unpleasant and unfit for the ears of ladies. "'In the character of the bootmaker, "'I scrapes acquaintance with a young person employed as a housemaid "'and very willing to answer questions and be drawed out. "'From the young person employed as housemaid, "'I gets what I take the liberty to call my ground plan of the baronet's habits, "'beginning with his late breakfast, "'consisting chiefly of gunpowder tea and cayenne pepper, "'and ending with the scroop of his latch-key, to be heard any time from two in the morning to daybreak. From the young person employed as housemaid, I discover that my baronet always spends his evenings out of doors, and is known to visit a lady at Fulham very constant, whereby the young person employed as housemaid supposes he is keeping company with her. From the same young person, I obtain the lady's address, which piece of information the young person has acquired in the course of taking letters to the post. The lady's address is Hilton House, Fulham. The lady's name has slipped my young person's memory, but is warranted to begin with a D. Mr. Larkspur paused to take breath, 
and to consult the memoranda in the bloated leather book. "'Having ascertained this much, I had done with the young person for the time being,' he continued glibly, "'and I felt that my next business would be at Hilton House. "'Here I presented myself in the character of a two-penny postman, "'but here I found the servants foreign, and so uncommonly close, "'that they might as well have been so many marble monuments "'for any good that was to be got out of them. "'Failing the servants, I fell back upon the neighbours and the tradespeople, "'and from the neighbours and the tradespeople "'I find out that my foreign lady's name is Dursky, "'and that my foreign lady gives a party every night.' "'Which party is made up of gentlemen? "'That is queer, to say the least of it,' thinks I. "'A lady who gives a party every night, "'and whose visitors are all gentlemen, "'is an uncommonly queer customer. "'Having found out this much, "'my mouth watered to find out more. "'For a man who has his soul in his profession "'takes a pleasure in his work, ma'am, "'and if you were to offer to pay such a man double "'to waste his time, he couldn't do it. "'I tried the neighbors. "'and I tried the tradespeople every way, "'and work em how I would. "'I couldn't get much out of em. "'You see, ma'am, there's scarcely a human habitation "'within a quarter of a mile of Hilton House. "'So when I say neighbours, "'I don't mean neighbours in the common sense of the word. "'There might be assassination going on every night "'in Hilton House undiscovered, "'for there's no one lives near enough "'to hear the victim's groans. "'And if there was anything as good for our trade "'as pork-pie-making out of murdered human victims "'going nowadays, ma'am, "'Hilton House would be the place where I should look for pork-pies. "'Well, I was almost beginning to lose patience "'when I sat down in a fancy stationer's shop to rest myself. "'I sat down in this shop because I was really tired, "'not with any hope of making use of my time, "'for I was too far away from Hilton House "'to expect any luck in the way of information "'from the gentleman behind the counter. "'However, when a man has devoted his life "'to ferreting out information, "'the habit of ferreting is apt to be very strong upon him. "'So I pass the time of day to my fancy stationer "'and then begins to ferret. "'Madam Dursky at Hilton House yonder "'is an uncommonly handsome woman, "'I throw out by way of an opening.' "'Uncommonly,' replies my fancy stationer, "'by which I perceive he knows her. "'A customer of yours, perhaps?' "'I throw out, promiscuous. "'Yes,' answers my fancy stationer. "'A good one, too, I'll be bound,' "'I throw out in a lively conversational way. "'My fancy stationer smiles, "'and being accustomed to study smiles, "'I see significance in his smile. "'A very good one in some things,' "'replies my fancy stationer.' "'laying a tremendous stress upon the word some. "'Oh,' says I, "'gilt-edged note-paper and cream-coloured sealing-wax, for instance?' "'I don't sell her a choir of paper in a month,' answers my stationer. "'If she was as fond of writing letters as she is of playing cards, "'I think it would be better for her.' "'Oh, she's fond of card-playing, is she?' I ask. "'Yes,' replies my fancy stationer. "'I rather think she is. "'Your hair would stand on end "'if I were to tell you how many packs of playing cards "'I've sold her lady companion within the last three months. "'The lady companion comes here at dusk "'with a thick black veil over her face, "'and she thinks I don't know who she is. "'But I do know her, and know where she lives, "'and whom she lives with. "'After this, I buy myself a choir of writing paper, "'which I don't want, "'and I wish my fancy stationer good afternoon.' Ho I say to myself when I get outside. I know the meaning of Madame Dursky's parties now. 
Madame Dursky's house is a flash gambling crib, and all those fine gentlemen in cabs and broughams go there to play cards. The mistress of a gaming house, exclaimed Honoria, a fitting companion for Reginald Eversleigh. Just so, ma'am, and a fitting companion for Mr. Victor Carrington likewise. Have you found out anything about him? cried Lady Eversleigh eagerly. No, ma'am, I haven't. At least, nothing in my way. I've tried his neighbors and his tradespeople also, in the character of a postman, which is respectable and calculated to inspire confidence. But out of his tradespeople I can get nothing more than the fact that he is a remarkably praiseworthy young man, who pays his debts regular and is the very best of sons to a highly respectable mother. There's nothing much in that, you know, ma'am. Hypocrite, murmured Lady Eversleigh. A hypocrite so skilled in the vile arts of hypocrisy that he will contrive to have the world always on his side. And this is all your utmost address has been able to achieve? All at present, ma'am, but I live in hopes. And now I've got a bit of news about the baronet which I think will astonish you. I've been improving my acquaintance with the young person employed as housemaid in Villiers Street for the last fortnight, and I find from her that my baronet is on very friendly terms with his first cousin, Mr. Dale, of the Temple. Indeed, exclaimed Honoria, these two men are the last between whom I should have imagined a friendship impossible. Yes, ma'am, but so it is, notwithstanding. Mr. Douglas Dale, barrister at law, dined with his cousin, Sir Reginald, twice last week, and on each occasion the two gentlemen left Villiers Street together in a hack-cab, between eight and nine o'clock. My friend, the housemaid, happened to hear the address given to the cabmen on both occasions, and on both occasions the address was Hilton House, Fulham. Douglas Dale, a gambler, cried Honoria, the companion of his infamous cousin. That is indeed ruin. Well, certainly, ma'am, it does not seem a very lively prospect for my friend D.D., answered Mr. Larkspur, with irrepressible flippancy. "'Do you know any more respecting this acquaintance?' asked Honoria. "'Not yet, ma'am, but I mean to know more.' "'Watch, then,' she cried. "'Watch those two men. "'There is danger for Mr. Dale in any association with his cousin, Sir Reginald Eversleigh. "'Do not forget that. "'There is peril for him, the deadliest it may be. "'Watch them, Mr. Larkspur. "'Watch them by day and night.' "'I'll do my duty, ma'am. "'Depend upon it,' replied the police officer.' and I'll do it well. I take pride in my profession, and to me duty is a pleasure. I will trust you. You may, ma'am. Oh, by the by, I must tell you that in this house my name is Andrews. Please remember that, ma'am. Mr. Andrews, lawyer's clerk. The name of Larkspur smells too strong of Bow Street. End of chapter 20, part 1